The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details. This is Fresh FM, I'm joined again on the line by Ali Cave, uh, which means it's time for another Nelson Film Society film preview, previewing a film showing Tuesday night at, now I'm assuming it is still state cinemas while repairs happen to the suitor. Anyway, enough of the admin. Hi Ali. Hi Matt. How good are you good doing? Good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's good yeah. to talk to you too. Oh well. Yes, so um, I believe, I think you said this is going to be the last time we talk together for this season. Yes, it is, it is, it is. Uh, On a film that has a slightly disturbing title as well, I'd have to say, a very strange way to end things. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, we have um, coming up this week, a 2019 dramatic tragedy from the Sudan called You Will Die at 20. Wow, what a title. What a title. <laughs> so this is Amjad Abu Alala's feature debut as director, and he co-wrote the screenplay with Yosef Ibrahim. It is a sharply symbolic story tracking the life of a boy, Muzamir, who, as a baby has his fate sealed when a sheikh announces to his mother that he will die at age 20. So this prophecy has come about during a Sufi naming ceremony being held in the desert after the dervish, who has been chanting numbers while the baby's getting his blessing. Beginning with the number one and then counting upward, the dervish falls into a faint when he reaches the number 20. The sheikh performs the blessing and then also confirms that 20 is the age when this boy will die. Not something you'd want to hear as a parent, but anyway, let's carry not, on. Not really. And um, it's taken to heart, though, you know. And um, years later, when Muzamil has almost reached the age of 20, we see what life has been like for him. Living in his small village, alone with his mother, Sakina, played by Islam Mubarak. His dad, Alnor, left early on because he couldn't cope with the idea of death, or more death, in his family. Muzamil is teased and bullied by fellow youth. He's not allowed to walk down to the river due to his mother's fears for his safety. He's denied any school learning since his mother considers it a waste of time. So I suppose you could call this a coming-of-age story, but with a twist. By all accounts, it would appear that Muzamil has been dead since the prophetic announcement. He walks like the living dead, clearly accepting his fate. He does not question the truth of his religion. For him, the sheikh doesn't lie, and neither does his mother. While he has led a pure and sinless life, it has brought him no joy. 
and although a good-looking lad, he walks and behaves as if he is the son of death, the label the village bullies gave him when he was younger. So Muzamil, who is a young lad, is played by Mustafa Shahata, doesn't seem to have a curious mind. He doesn't feel the need to explore any worlds beyond his small village. That is, not until he meets the pariah Suleiman, played by Mahmoud al-Saraj, the harmful drunk with a bad reputation, according to Sakina, but a man who has traveled the world and is an art and film lover and who could now be the boy's savior. But it takes many visits before we even begin to see a glimmer of curiosity in Muzumil's face when he sits listening to Suleiman's tales or watches the films he has made. For me, what takes center stage in this film are the symbols which are magically expressed in the visuals and in the music alongside the skillful directing. This east-central region of the Sudan, which lies along the Nile River, has been given a dreamlike quality that is sensitively captured by the cinematographer Sebastian Gluckfeldt, a man who clearly understands the characters he's working with. A celestial light follows the boy as he walks down the narrow passage of his home. The dark interior of Muzamil's clay home is lit with a shaft of light, filling through the window as tiny specks of dust can be seen floating around, almost as if they live in a world of their own. In one such scene, this, this light clearly divides the boy and his treasured friend, the girl, Noema, played by Banag Khalid, who can't wait any longer for Muzamil to emerge from his gloomy, prison-like existence and declare his love for her as she has done for him. Out of doors, Gottfert illuminates the River Nile both in day and at night. The river always continuing to flow without noticing any suffering that's taking place on the land. In one scene, we follow a funeral procession with the same dervish on board flowing down the river. Gottfert works well with the director to beautifully compose these well-thought-out, impactful scenes. The opening scene begins with the image of a dead beast on the desert, with a bird perched on it, devouring its parts. This first frame really says what the film is all about. Yes, in the foreground, with the procession of villagers in the background heading to the sheikh for the naming of this body. So we have life with death. Huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to pause. It's just that um, the um, I got confused with my page. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Okay. Okay, okay. just carry on. Yep. The music also highlights this film's slow-paced and moody quality with Amini Buhafa's original composition, mostly consisting of cellos and violins, enforcing another gr- dreamlike and haunting layer to the story. The film is based on a short story called Sleeping on the Foot of the Mountain by the Sudanese writer and journalist Hamur Ziada. 
As a viewer, we can only imagine what must be going on inside Muzumil's head. Devoutly religious, as his Quran recital, we hear him chant about Satan and how punishment awaits disbelievers. But so far, we've only been able to see his pure side. He's constantly praying. He's the only young boy in the village to have fully memorized the Quran in two languages. There are others in the village who are also believers, but have managed to balance their lives with practicality. There are even some who question the prophecies of the sheikh. The director makes good use of timing and contrasting colors to get across his message. Other women wear white and bright colors, and Sakina's good friend mentions how she herself wears white to mourn her dead son, whereas Sakina wears black to mourn her living son. No one seems to know Muzamil's exact age as none of the villagers know how to count. Akina marks each day off on a wall in their home, but they know it's soon to be. It doesn't involve much in the way of imagination as to what it would be like to come home one day as Muzamil does and see a group of women in his courtyard preparing incense for his burial. It's just one of the many rather bizarre Bizarre but authentic. The actors who are mostly making their debut are well cast and leave a lasting impression after one has viewed the film. One reviewer pointed out that the film remains touching, non-judgmental depiction of people circumscribed by superstition. And another, the film is a parable about the dangers of blind faith in religion and authority. But this reviewer goes on to say that it's also warmly compassionate and accepting of human nature. Maybe the viewer won't understand everything being shown, but the feelings are evoked. Well, I found what this viewer said, uh, what this reviewer said to be true. As I watched the first time, I kept wanting some redemption at the end and when it finished. But then... I felt mostly anger and rage. And that must have been the trigger for me to watch it a second time when I was able to appreciate more the qualities of how a simple story can have so much depth which is expressed in this film. It's bold and confronting, yet it deals delicately and artistically with death and survival. It is complete and efficient on every level. The pace is slow and dreamlike, yet it couldn't be any other way. I mean, if you know you only have 20 years to live, you wouldn't want it to go any faster. Mm. Yeah, I think we can look forward to the next feature from this film director. Wow. <laughs> ah, an inappropriate laugh at the end there by myself. Um, I, <laughs> uh, okay, so you said, obviously, that it... Uh, you were left feeling differently than maybe you'd anticipated, but then you've revisited it uh, and maybe seen it in a different light. Is that what I'm picking up? Well, yes, I think so. Knowing what was to come, I was able to relax a little bit more into it yeah. and watch it. And, and as always, seeing it on a small screen as I did, I haven't yet seen it here in Auckland on the big screen. Um, and, yeah with translations, you know, having yeah. looked down, it's a little bit, um, it, I wasn't able the first time to 
look at all the qualities of the um, cinematography that, you know, I, I, I did say was really beautiful. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, yeah. it's a political film. Right. And, and yet it's subtle. And um, it's interesting. You, you, you may wonder how this film got the approval in a strict Islam culture. Because there's another scene which I didn't mention. And um, anyway, it got approved. The script got approval before the authorities had the wherewithal to ban a script. Oh wow! And which I, you know, I don't think it could have happened any later than when it did. And when it was made, it was at the same time as the revolution broke out. Uh. So um, the Sudan is divided north and south, and news of the film, news of the revolution occurred uh, in 2019. So you have that theme of the breaking free from the mother, the village, religion, country. And, and actually, the, the director took part in the revolution. Hmm. While he was waiting for some clip to be edited, he returned to Sudan for sitting. And um, that anger came through in his editing afterwards. Right. He, he was an activist. Wow. Oh, man. It, it really has quite a story. I mean, it's one of many films from all over Africa that that, that came to us globally during COVID, mm -hmm. which prior to now, these are stories untold. And these stories from Africa weren't able to be told in the cinema because there was no film industry. Right. And now we're hearing from the Sudan, Ethiopia, Kenya, even Algeria. Yeah. So there are African and Arab war stories. And, yeah, possibly the end of the Arab war marked the beginning of African culture. Wow. Yeah. Were you... I know last, last week, um, I think you talked about the landscape and stuff in Ethiopia and when you mentioned like hills and, and green I, I hadn't anticipated that I don't know for some reason my, my mind's eye saw Ethiopia as a, a desert for some some reason you know largely desert was is Sudan portrayed in this the way you anticipated Sudan would be? I think this is more interior and focused on the void so there's desert right. and there's a river yeah, and and there is greenery, yes. But, right. Um, uh, it, it it wasn't as friendly a film, and, and trying to say, "Come to my country." Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in fact, I mentioned last week that I, you know, the difficulty of filming when you're in a place where there's no electricity, and I mentioned this to my daughter, who said she's been to Ethiopia. She said, "Oh no, mom." We went into the villages as well, and they had TVs, and you right. know. So I guess it depends what part of the yeah, country you're visiting. Yeah. So I, I do have to say that. So again, here, you know, there there wouldn't have been the um, electricity, or, 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 or you know, certainly it wasn't shown to this village didn't have any. Yeah. Um, and the symbolism, it's obviously fairly heavy in symbolism. Do you think that translate ac translates across culture? Um, like, do you think there's maybe stuff that you may not have picked up based on Islam, maybe, and the like? I 
think so. I I I think some of it's in your face, and then some of it will be um, maybe lost in translation, sure. also. But also, a cultural. You yeah. know, I I will have missed mm. many. I I mentioned things that I picked up, but. Um, I, I think that goes without saying, really, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and you uh, hope hopeful for more from this director, so uh, you think he's a, a storyteller of, of note? Yeah, I think so. He certainly got together a good team for this one. Mm. It's it definitely one, one you should go and see. Okay. <laughs> for Even, all those who are over the age of 20. Okay, no, all right, yes. Because <laughs> obviously there is some, some uh, something that... Yeah. Okay. Um, so you think film society members uh, may find this challenging, but ultimately rewarding? Hope so. Yes. Yes. I think so. Yeah. It. I don't know. It's a strange. A strange one. You hear a lot about you know prophecy and how it becomes self fulfilling. Um. Yeah. I. I just can't anticipate how you would feel you know believing something like that and whether you would in fact create the reality of that or whether it's beyond you totally i don't know yes well it certainly seems that this in this particular case the the woman um and the actress actually she had been she hadn't been in any films before but i think she'd done some tv work right she is my She's fantastic, right? Um, and her character really just symbolizes. It's almost as if she invited death to her house, right. think, you know. Wow. Um, where is her friend? Yeah. As I said, she, she sort of throws that just in the side work that she doesn't really, you know, think everything's true in this sure. life. Sure. And uh, those are the sorts of things that I think, oh, I don't think that would have passed the censor. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 yeah. And it would have been interesting. I mean, there are other ones with the, the, the man selling the, um, you know, the local grocer who sells alcohol, you know, right. uh, of course, not yeah. permitted, you know, and um, Liz Emil is shocked to learn it. But uh, the guy says, you know, we've got to live. It's a balance. Life's a balance. Life's a know? balance. So, um, that would be interesting. I think I actually heard a program on, just a bit of a program on Al Jazeera the other day where they're interviewing more people with the Islamic faith who, you know, were just a little more honest about what they, you know, how yeah. how they live their lives. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, like faith, faith, culture, um, yeah, I, I guess from our our perspective, like you know, we have uh, definitely faith plays a big part in our lives, but it doesn't maybe come with the rules that uh, some other cultures experience along with their faith. Not um, such strict rules, yeah. and um, you know, I mean, we witness what's happened in Afghanistan recently mm, too. You oh, know, with yeah. um, Taliban taking over and the how their rules have um I mean I don't I don't mean to get political here no, no. Uh, but uh, you know they, they they're according to the media they're killing off the journalists the lawyers the, the women who have been educated all, all the what we would consider the 
the people who are going to make progress in our society yeah. who are the good people, you know. They're killing them off because yeah. they're a threat to their religion. Now, I just, wow. Yeah. You know, I, I can't picture a faith that would do that, but I've grown up differently. So. Yes, and, and, and this is it. This I have different it. perceptions of what life is about. Yes, yes. And so uh, perceptions challenged during this, um, in a way, do you, do you think you, yeah, did, hmm, your view on, I, obviously it's it's not a a, um, a factual story, so your thoughts on the way the religion, the faith is practiced, um, was was it, yeah, did that, was it different than you anticipated, was there things that challenged you there, did, yeah? I don't think I had ever come across the Sufi, mm. this whole the, the, the naming ceremony. I, I, I just went in with wonder. You know, oh. what's this one going to be about? Yeah, with such a curious title, and I don't know how this title translates from the original. Um, yeah. I know it's based on a book that has a totally different name translation, but I don't know what what this film. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, look, uh, yeah, yet another, once again, I come to sort of the end of the uh, Nelson Film Society film preview, just thinking another piece of cinema that is uh, kind, kind of mind-blowing. You know, the stuff that you don't normally anticipate being challenged around this sort of stuff if you're going to see, say, um, Thor, Love and Thunder. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you don't, do you? No, no. So would you watch it a third time if you get the opportunity on the big screen? Yes, I probably will. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, Ellie, anything you want to add uh, before we wrap up this uh, film preview for the film with the uh, title, You Will Die at 20? Gosh, what an imposing title. Uh, no, just, you know, hopefully people will go along and see it. Yeah, I, I hope so, and I'm sure people will. And, uh, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of fairly open-minded uh, people as part of film societies because, you know, we're not just seeing the, the nicely packaged things we can expect day to day. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you, Ellie. I, I just, yeah, it sounds like another incredible film. Um, and it just... It sounds tragic and beautiful at the same time. Uh, yeah, it's it's left me with a bit of a sense of um, curiosity. That's for sure. Oh, thank you, Matt. It's nice, nice being able to talk about this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, and uh, it's our last one for the year. So hopefully we can pick up again next season. Uh, I'm right, sure. Not the last one for film. No, time. no, it's but, my last but your Which last one. Doing the 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 latter one. So um, I know there'll be some other good ones coming up. Okay, cool, cool. So we will be uh, joined by Chris next week and we'll be rejoining you next year, Ali Cave, for the Nelson Film Society Film Preview. Thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. And I think you have a, a wonderful talent for, you know, describing these films in a way that just makes me madly curious. 
<laughs> thank you, Matt. <laughs> Look, not a problem. Not a problem. Hey, thank you, Ellie, and uh, yeah, all the best uh, for for Christmas. It's almost here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not quite, but it's coming up closely. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again next year. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.